Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. This is Joe Beam, and it is January 12th, 2016. We're so glad that you're on the program with us tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about could you be controlling without realizing it? And so, what I'd like to do right here at the outset is to ask you to go get a pencil and a piece of paper or a pen or a pad, whatever you want to write on. It's going to be difficult to do this on a computer. It needs to be something you can actually write your answers to. And in a few minutes, in just a few minutes, once we get this program going a little stronger, I'm going to actually give you a list of questions, and there'll be 10 questions. I'm going to ask you to rate each of those 10 questions, and then do it where nobody can see your scores. Don't let anybody else see what you're writing down here. This is just for you, and it's for you to be completely and totally honest about you. And once I give these 10 questions to you, you can go back and score them, and I'll tell you how to do that, and get an idea as to whether or not you may be controlling, even if you don't realize it. Now, again, I'm going to be doing that in about two or three minutes. And so as we're talking here, if you don't mind, go and find some kind of scratch pad or piece of paper or something. And at the same time, get to something to write with. And I'm going to be giving this thing in two or three minutes. Now, we are talking about controlling spouses tonight. As a matter of fact, the way we advertise it is to say, how can you know if you're controlling, even if you don't realize it? The second is, what do you do if you are controlling? What we want to tell you is it's not too late to change things. And the third is, how do you handle being controlled by your spouse? Now, people know that a lot of folks that we work with are people whose marriages have been affected by infidelity. And sometimes people think that's all we do. We occasionally have people contact us and say, but that's not my problem. I mean, you're the guys that deal with infidelity. I've got a different marriage problem altogether. Do you work with those? And the answer is absolutely yes. We know that not every marriage in America or even in the world, for that matter, is affected by infidelity. Now, we will tell you that based on the number of people that contact us and want us to try to help them with their marriages, infidelity is by far the number one reason. But what do you think is number two? Well, (laughs) it's pretty easy to figure that out based on what we're talking about tonight. The second most common problem we run into is people who say, I just can't stand being controlled by my spouse any longer. It is terrible. It is bad. I don't know how to put up with it. I don't want to put up with it anymore. And believe it or not, if I'm working with a marriage where that one of them is madly in love with somebody else, it actually is a little bit easier to help that marriage overcome that problem and make it better than in a marriage where one spouse has been dominating or controlling the other spouse. And the person who has been dominated or been controlled finally has added up to the proverbial here mark wherever that is for him or her, proverbial last straw, if you will. And finally, he or she says, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I don't want to be treated this way anymore, and I want out. And it's actually more difficult sometimes to help those people overcome the problems. And you say, well, why? Well, there's a couple of reasons. The first is that quite often the person who is doing the controlling or the dominating doesn't believe that he or she is. As a matter of fact, when you talk to them and ask them about it, they'll tell you, no, I don't do that whatsoever at all. And yet, as a third 
party who is neutral and just observing, I can tell you that there have been many occasions when uh, one spouse has told me that I am not dominating, I'm not controlling whatsoever. I don't know why my spouse thinks that. And then I interact with them for a while and watch them as that neutral third party get to thinking, how can you not see that you're being so dominating and controlling because you definitely are? Okay, I've given you enough time now to try to find a piece of paper and something to write with. And so here I go. Now, we're going to use a seven-point scale. Now, let me give the seven points to you. I don't know if you want to write all of these down, but at least get the idea of what those would be. I'm going to be giving you 10 statements and ask you to rate each of those 10 statements on this seven-point scale. Now, number one on the scale is never. Number two is rarely. I'm going to slow down just a little in case you are the kind of person who likes to write all these things down. So on the seven-point scale, number one is never. Number two is rarely. Number three is occasionally. So you got three so far of the seven. Number one, never. Number two, rarely. Number three, occasionally. Number four is about as often as not. In other words, about 50-50. So one, never. Two, rarely. Three, occasionally. Four, about 50-50 or about as often as not. Number five, more often than not. Number six, most of the time. And seven, all of the time. So let me go through the seven one more time just before I give you the 10 statements for you to rate right there where you're sitting. Number one is never. If you if I read a statement and that's what the answer should be to that statement, that's what you write there. Pardon me, folks. It's allergy season and I had to stop and sneeze. <laughs> okay. So number one is never. Number two is rarely. Number three is occasionally. Number four, about as often as not. Number five, more often than not. Number six, most of the time. And number seven, all of the time. Now, using that seven-point scale, rate each of the following questions. All right? Here's the first statement for you to rate. You get frustrated or angry when things aren't going your way, and you don't hide that anger or frustration from your spouse. In other words, you let him or her know how angry and frustrated you are because things aren't going your way. So how often is that? Never, rarely, occasionally, about as often as not, more often than not, most of the time or all of the time. That's the seven point scale. So you have that first statement there. And again, do this honestly. So do it where nobody can see it. Just you and be as honest with yourself as you can possibly be. Because if you don't, if you're not honest with yourself on this, it's not going to help at all. All right, tons of people joining us right now. I'm going to go through this one more time and then go faster through the scale. The seven-point scale, number one, never. Number two, rarely. Number three, occasionally. Four, about as often as not. Five, more often than not. Six, most of the time. Seven, all the time. So the first statement you're rating is that you, talked about yourself, get frustrated and angry when things aren't going your way, and you don't hide it. You let other people see that you're angry and frustrated when things don't go your way. Okay, here's the second statement to rate. There are things that you do not allow your spouse to do. No matter talking about like, I don't allow my spouse to come home drunk. That's not the kind of thing we're talking about here. It means that you actually kind of set some rules and, and give some things like, okay, you can't go to the store unless I know where you're going, or you can't be gone during the day unless I know what place you're going to be. Now, there could be some exceptions to that. We understand because of certain situations going on, but in general, the second statement you're rating on a never to all of the time scale from one to seven, there are things that you do not allow your spouse to do. Number three, you check your spouse's phone, emails, Facebook pages, and so forth, so that you will know what he or she is doing and who or he or she's communicating with. Now, this is something that you do, even if your spouse don't knows about it, doesn't know about it. On a scale of one to seven, 
Do, is this true of you? Do you never do it? Rarely, occasionally, about as often as not. More often than not, most of the time or all of the time. That one to seven scale, rate that one. You check your spouse's phone, emails, Facebook pages, et cetera, so that you'll know what he's doing, who she's doing, or who he or she's communicating with. Number four, you tell your spouse about his or her errors or mistakes. In other words, it's more often or not. What are you going to do? Never. I never tell my spouse about his mistakes. Seven, all of the time, I always point out my spouse's mistakes. On that scale of seven, rate that one. Number five, when in a disagreement with your spouse, you continue to explain things until he or she finally sees your point and yields. Is that a never, rarely, occasionally? Mixed, more often than not, most of the time, all the time. But what's the same again? One more time. When in a disagreement with your spouse, you continue to explain things until he or she sees your point and yields. The sixth thing for you to rate, you use guilt, shame, or the silent treatment to get your spouse to do what you believe he or she should do. On a scale of one to seven, how do you rate that? You use guilt, shame, or the silent treatment to get your spouse to do what you believe he or she should do. Number seven, you get upset or angry if you don't know where your spouse is. Rate that on that same scale of one to seven. You get upset or angry if you don't know where your spouse is. Number eight, when your spouse doesn't agree with you or does something you don't like, you use one or more of the horseman to indicate your displeasure. Now, let me explain horseman. That means either you're critical or you're sarcastic, all those kinds of things. So if a spouse doesn't agree with you, you actually do disrespectful things toward your spouse in the way that you act and the things that you say. On a scale of one to seven, from never to all of the time, how would you rate that one? All right, now, number nine, you feel that your spouse needs your leadership and direction. The key word there being needs. You feel that your spouse needs your leadership and direction on that seven-point scale, rate yourself. And then number 10, you step in and solve problems your spouse has, even if your spouse has not asked you to solve the problem. Okay, on that same scale from never to all of the time, how do you rate yourself there? You step in and solve problems your spouse has, even if your spouse has not asked you to solve the problem. Now, you, if you have been with me through all of that, you have 10 scores it could equal up just to 10. For example, if you scored one on all of them, then you would add them up and you'd have a score of 10. If you had seven on all of them, if you add them up, your score is 70. So take just a second now and go through and total up your score. I'll give you a second to do that. I want to talk about another thing or two here. For those who are listening and doing so on the computer rather than actually on your phone, you can also call in to talk to us if you wish. The telephone number is 646 3780424 that is 6463780424 now if you wish to speak to me during the program when you hear that opening menu you need to press the number 1 that gives me a little sign that you're there and that you're waiting to talk to me and therefore we'll try our best to get to you doing our program so we can hear your questions or your comments and we can interact with you of course, you can also call if you wish and just listen on your phone. And if you don't press the number one, we can see that you're out there, of course. But if you don't press that number one, we won't try to talk to you. All right. Now, let's go back to that seven-point scale and the 10 questions or statements that you just rated. What do you think your ratings might tell you? Well, first of all, let me tell you where I got these. I constantly read research. I have been uh, uh, involved in studies through the University of Sydney doing a research project over there. And I just need to tell you that their library is like one of the best libraries in the entire world. <laughs> it's so awesome. 
And now that that research project is finished, I'm going to be losing my access to that library. And I'm very sad about that. And as I've been going through the University of Sydney's online library and going through all of the various articles about things, I have researched articles about people who feel controlled or dominated. And I went through those articles looking for the most common things that people talk about when they feel controlled or dominated. Additionally, I did some research of my own sometime back, a year or so ago. I actually put a survey online and made it available for anybody in the world to take it if they wanted to. And where I was asking questions about what kinds of things make you feel controlled or lead you to feel that your spouse is controlling you. Now, from all of those research articles that I read and my own research that I did with an online survey, that's where I came up with these 10 statements because these are the most common things I ran into, both in the research others had done and in my own research that people say they feel when they feel they're being controlled. Now, let me go back through them from that standpoint and see if you can understand what I'm talking about. People say, okay, when my spouse doesn't get his way or her way, they get frustrated and angry and they let everybody know. In other words, if I don't do what my spouse wants me to do, then he or she is going to lower the boom on me. And because that happens so often, I feel controlled. Now, let me explain something about that that's very important. You see, there's basically two different motivations to do something. Now, we could divide that into hundreds, even thousands, but under two basic primary categories. One is what's called an appetitive reason. And because so many people have trouble pronouncing that, they've now changed that to talking about approach motivation. One's an approach motivation and the other is an avoidance motivation. An approach motivation basically says this, I do something because it benefits me in some way. Even if it's just that it makes me feel good to do this for you, well, that still benefits me, so I'll do it. So anything that benefits me, I'm doing it because I feel like I actually gain something from it. I gain a better relationship with you, and I like that. It makes me feel good. I like making you happy. That makes me feel good. Or I do it because of the fact that I also benefit in some way. So when I'm nice to you, you're nice back to me. I like that. And so an approach motive is I do things because I will benefit in some fashion. Now, an avoidance motive is I will do it because I don't want the negative consequences that come if I don't do it. And so in other words, I'm going to do this because I don't want to hear you gripe or complain. I don't want to hear you yell. I don't want to hear the nasty words out of your mouth. I don't want the cold shoulder from you. I don't want this to be a week going on where that you avoid me. And so therefore I do it, but not because I think I'm going to gain something from it. I do it because I'm avoiding the negative consequences if I don't do it. Guess what? People who do things for an approach motive tend to feel good about themselves. Hey, I did it, but I also feel I have some control over my own life. I get to make my own decisions. I have some independence here. I'm not being forced to do it. I do it because I want to do it because I gained something. On the other hand, people who do things, pardon me. On the other hand, people who do things because they want to avoid the negative consequences, in other words, they do it for an avoidance motive, actually have decreased self-esteem. I don't like me. I don't feel good about me because I'm not doing this because I want to. I'm doing this because I don't want the punishment that you're going to meet out if I don't. By the way, if I do things for another person in a relationship for an approach motive, it actually makes our relationship stronger. If I do things for the other person through an avoidance motive, then it's going to continually weaken the relationship. So do you understand that first statement and how important it is? You rate it on a one to seven scale. You get frustrated or angry when things aren't going your way and you do not hide it. If you do that regularly, in other words, you've got a score of four or above on that, 
on that seven-point scale I gave you, which ranges from never to all of the time. Four, remember, is about as often as not. Five is more often than not. Six, most of the time. Seven, all of the time. If you rated yourself four, five, six, or seven on that one, you may just be controlling whether you realize it or not. So here's another one. There are things you do not allow your spouse to do. And so in the research about control, including my own research about control, we found that people who feel control feel like their spouse tell them what they can do and tell them what they can't do. And we even hear it extremes like uh, my spouse doesn't want me to go see my parents anymore because he thinks my parents didn't treat him well. Or, or my spouse doesn't like me to go to the grocery store because he doesn't know what I'm doing while I'm there. As a matter of fact, one lady told me my husband will actually come by the grocery store just to see what I'm doing. In other words, I feel like that everything I do is being checked on and that I have to get permission from my spouse to do whatever I want to do. People who feel that way feel controlled. So if you give yourself a four or seven, four, five, six, or seven on that one, you may just be controlling. Look at another one. Number three, you check your spouse's phone or emails or Facebook pages so that you'll know what they're doing and who they're talking to. Now, I realize that right now you might be saying, well, what if I'm in a situation with a bad marriage where I'm trying to find out just what the heck my husband's doing or my wife is doing? I understand that you might feel motivated to do that, but even people who are doing things they shouldn't be doing still feel controlled when the other person is checking behind them, like, okay, I can't put my phone down because you'll be going through it. I can't leave my email password down because you're going to be going through it. In other words, they feel that their privacy is violated. So if you rated a four above on that one, you may just be controlling. Number four, you tell your spouse about his or her errors or mistakes. Now, believe it or not, this one is more likely to occur with a male who is constantly telling his wife, you should have done this or you should have done that. Even if she comes home and says, wow, there was a woman at the grocery store who treated me so rudely. That's my saying, okay, here's what you should have said. And the next time you're down there, and when that happens again, and this is what you do. And the woman's sitting there thinking, I just wanted to tell you how badly I felt about what happened. I did not want you to step in and be my dad. I didn't want you to step in and start telling me what to do or solve my problems. And so when people are constantly told about their errors or mistakes by the other person, they tend to feel controlled. So if you rated yourself a four or higher on that, you may just be controlling. When you're in disagreement with your spouse, you continue to explain things until your spouse finally sees your point of view and yields. Again, this happens more often with men than women. It can happen both ways, but it happens more often with men. And we men sometimes certainly don't see it as controlling because what we think is I'm just going to keep explaining it and debating it until finally I win, because that's often the way we men talk to each other. As we think, okay, I wasn't trying to control you. I was just trying to show my prowess here and being able to explain my position until finally you see it. But I've heard from so many people, okay, the other person made his or her point. They kept on going, kept on going, kept on going until finally I gave in. But he or she thinks I gave in because I finally came to agree, but I didn't agree at all. I finally gave in just to shut him or her up. And so therefore, if you rate a four or above on that one, you might just be controlling. Or if you use guilt or shame or the silent treatment to get your spouse to do what you believe he or she should do, that goes back to that avoidance motive I talked about earlier. Four or higher, you're probably controlling. Number seven, you get upset or angry if you don't know where your spouse is. In other words, I've got to know where you are all the time. I'm upset if I don't know where you are every minute of the day. That means you're not treating the other person as an equal. You're not seeing him or her as an adult who can make their own decisions and have some freedom in life and some independence. 
you're seeing them as a child that you've got to control and not even a teenage child that can do some things on his or her own. You're actually treating them like a very small child. So a score of four, a, mu- a score of four or above, you're probably controlling. <clears throat> okay. If you're, if, uh, when your spouse doesn't agree or does something you don't like, you become critical and disrespectful toward the other person. And people see that or feel that they feel controlled. So four or higher, you're likely controlling. Number nine, you feel that your spouse needs your leadership and direction. Again, that's treating him or her as not an equal, but as an inferior. And the spouse probably feels controlled. If a four or above, you're probably controlling. And number 10, you step in and solve problems your spouse has, even if your spouse has not asked you to solve the problem. Well, we've already talked about that. Now, you see that on any of those, if you have a four or higher, at least in that way, you may be controlling. And so look through there. And if you see that, wow, wait a minute, I've got four or five or seven. Wow, I've got several of those that are at least a four. If that's the case, you're probably controlling. Now, you might be saying, okay, my total score is only about 36. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. But look back and see how many of them were fours or above. And those are the areas that indicate where you may well be controlling, even if you don't realize it. Now, a couple of things just before I go to the first call, and we're going to try to handle all the things we're talking about tonight, like, okay, what to do if you are controlling and how do you handle being controlled by your spouse? But before that, let me just remind you here that if your motivation is not to control, it doesn't mean that what you're doing is not controlling. Boy, I didn't say that well at all. Let me try it again. You're controlling even if you think your motivation is good. If you're doing the kind of things we just talked about, and by the way, those are just representative. We could talk about a whole lot more. But if you're doing those kinds of things and say, but, but, but it's not controlling because my motive is good, your motive is irrelevant. Because if indeed the other person feels treated disrespectfully, if the other person feels that he or she's being treated as a child, if the other person feels like that you're a parent and that they have to get your permission, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then it really doesn't matter to them what your motivation is because their end result with them is that they feel controlled. And so what we have seen so often in our work with couples is that one spouse tries to tell the other, I, I'm not being treated like an equal. I, I don't like being treated the way you treat me. And the other just continues to say, but you just need to listen to me or I'm not controlling until finally the person who is being dominated gets so fed up with it that they're done. They're just absolutely done. And that's typically when the spouse who's been controlling or dominating calls us and says, what do I do? It would be a whole lot better if you fix that now, and it's never too late to fix it, well, I say never too late. I'm going to have to explain that a little bit more in a couple of minutes, but it's not too late to fix it. It's not too late to change you. That's what I should be saying. It's not too late to change you. And by changing you, you may well turn this thing around if your spouse is running away from you because he or she feels controlled. Well, I've got a lot more to say, but let's go to a caller or two here. Okay, we're talking to area code 608. Hello, 608. You're on the Joe Beam Show. How can we help you tonight? Hi, um, my name's Tracy. And um, I guess I my, my question was not necessarily originally for um, the controlling piece, but I did go through the um, tests that you had. And, oh, my goodness, I have a lot of controlling issues. <laughs> um, 
I guess uh, my question, you know, out of stemming from that is I know um, my spouse has said I'm controlling, especially when it comes to the kids. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do drive a lot of uh, the decisions with the kids and things like that. And I'm in a situation right now where um, my original question was, I think he's in limerence. I think, you know, I, I, he's rewritten history in his mind. I don't know how to change his views, which does that sound controlling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I, I guess my question will be, how, how do we change this? How do we do this? But especially even as it relates to the kids, um, I, part of the struggle that I'm having right now is letting go of the kids and, um, you know, I guess leaving them up to God versus, you know, driving it. I don't, I don't want to have 50, 50 custody and things like that. So I guess my question is, is how do I get over all this? How do I make okay, myself a better person? Question, <laughs> uh, question about your kids. How old are the kids? Um, one is 10 and one is almost 14. Okay. Well, the reason I ask is this. Obviously, the younger or more immature a child is, the more controlling you need to be. I mean, part of how we do it in life is this. When you're working with kids, particularly, I'll start there. We start off by actually telling them what to do because that's how they learn things. And telling somebody what to do. You do this, you do that. That's a matter of control. But when you're dealing with younger children, obviously, that makes sense. Then you move on from telling to teaching. That's what part of parenting is. And as they begin to develop some maturity, you start explaining to them. Now, here's why you do this. And here's why you do that rather than just saying, go do this. At some point, when they finally develop a degree of maturity, and and that varies with each child as to when that happens. and, And so this is not an exact science. But when a child begins to develop maturity and begin to demonstrate that he or she can make some decisions, you move from teaching into coaching. And by that, it's like, okay, here's a situation we're facing. What do you think you should do? So way back when they were young, you just told them. When they were a little older, you would teach them. Now, here's what you should do, and here's why. You finally moved to saying, okay, what do you think you should do? And in the coaching, what you do is you listen and An important thing to understand in coaching is they may come up with a way of doing it that's not your way, but it's still okay. And so in coaching, you'll say, okay, that's not the way I would have done it, but I think that will work. That's a good idea. You do that. Now, in coaching, of course, if they're going to come up with some conclusion or decision that you know is bad, then you back up one step and you go back to teaching. Let me teach you what's the right thing to do here and why. Now, the final of those four steps is when you finally empower the child. And by that time, the child's probably older than 14. The child's going to be 16, 17, 18, somewhere in that range, likely. And maybe a little older than that with some kids. And that's when you say, okay, I've I've taught you all I know to teach you. I'm now realizing that you need to go make some of your own decisions. Now, based on that four-point sliding scale I just gave you, uh, with a 14-year-old, in which one of those four do you think you operate most with that child? Coaching. Definitely coaching. coaching. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think my, my daughter, my daughter is, um, you know, but as far as it relates to, you know, make, letting them make choices and, and doing all that, I think I, I do okay. I think when my um, spouse is saying I'm controlling, it's more of I'm the one that's um, driving all of the activities. I'm the one that's um, making sure that they're going places to places and, um, probably even more so with um, the separation right now. He's left, and in my head, it's well, you chose to leave, and so I get to, they get to stay here, and I get to decide when um, you're going to have them. And um, oh no, we're too busy, so um, you know this weekend it's going to disrupt it. 
our lives, you know, for our plans, if you can have them. So it's more geared towards that right now um, mm-hmm. that I am. And, and I hear that. I get it. I, I, I know. But in my heart, I'm saying, well, yeah, but you left. You made this choice. And um, well, I, I, I know I that's not right. <laughs> right. And I understand that. And I do understand the hurt. And I do understand why you make those decisions. And yet if that 14-year-old is is mature, and I'm glad that you say primarily what you do is coaching. And you said it was a daughter. Is that what I heard, a 14-year-old daughter? Yes. Right. Okay. I have two daughters. Okay. And if, you're, if mostly what you're doing with a 14-year-old daughter is coaching, that's probably right where you should be. I do understand that sometimes you want to control, particularly when it comes to, you know, where the child's going to be with a parent and that kind of thing. But... But if you become, if you revert back too much from coaching, back to do a whole lot of telling, then you may develop some rebellion in her. And I know you don't want to do that. Now, with a 14-year-old, are there still times when you should say, no, that's, this is what's going to happen? Yeah, with a 14, even with a 17 or 18-year-old, sometimes you should do that. No, that's not going to happen. This is going to happen because you're still the parent and have responsibility. But the more you can operate in that coaching quadrant with those kids, or particularly the 14-year-old then that's the best place you can be. Now, were you also asking a question about your husband? Did I miss that somewhere in there? Um, well, it, it's off topic as far as the coaching goes, so I'm not sure if I should wait and ask that another time or if I should just well, ask it now. Okay, well, that's up to you. If you want to ask it, you know, if we, we couldn't take a lot of time with it, but we can take a minute or so if you want, or you can wait. It's up to you. Well, as long as I'm on, I'll, I'll ask it. But I apologize for it being off topic a little bit. I know okay, you've that's fine. Um, talked. I know you've talked about uh, limerence a lot, and I um, have heard some things and read, you know, the articles about uh, rewriting history and um, how that typically happens. Um, I really feel that he has rewritten history and says now that I don't love you. I, I've never loved you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, again, I, I feel like you know really for 20 years. (laughs) I can't can't buy that. I can't believe that. Um, You know, and and I've got an opportunity to, you know, have, have some conversations with him coming up. Um, So I'm just, how do I challenge that view is I know it's not right to say, well, no, you don't feel that way because. Challenging it. Challenging it. But how do do I, how do I do that? I mean, the one thing I'm thinking in my head is um, bring up examples where we did, have love and where we did have some of that, but right. um, and that's is that the right way? Right. No, it's so not how, how, how do I do that? How do, well, how see, do we, what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you're trying to overcome an emotion with logic and, and that just doesn't happen right now in the state that he's in right now. And I've been there many years ago. I did the very same thing to Alice and, and I would not have believed anything she said to me at that point. As a matter of fact, in a counseling session, we had uh, a counselor actually brought up some things to prove that I had once loved, been in love with Alice. And I told him he was an idiot. And he was using stories from my own life. And I told him he was an idiot. So where he is right now, he's not going to hear that. So I don't think you advance anything toward bringing this thing to a better situation or place by trying to argue with him or convince him or teach him better. It's going to happen that as he gets further into the limerence and as it begins to fade, that's when the likelihood or possibility will come about where he starts remembering the better things and the good things. But at this point, in my opinion, and of course I am not God, I don't know everything, but in my opinion at this point, you're not going to succeed with that. And basically you're just going to crystallize him in what he's saying. In other words, he's going to kind of lock down in what he's saying, uh, listen to anything. So it might be better if you don't argue about that right now. Okay. So how do I address it? 
Well, I realize that you no, know, everybody, including me, I mean, we want a way to solve things today. But in the situation that you're in, it's going to take a little while. And unfortunately, that's going to call for some patience. Okay. And I'm sorry. I wish I did have the, if I had the magic, if I ever find that magic wand, you call me back and I'll fix it. In the meantime, <laughs> okay. In the meantime, it's, it's a process. By any chance, are you in our Save My Marriage online course? No, not yet. I've heard about it. I just I just learned about this, um, your, your courses and your websites within the last like, right. three weeks. Right. So, well, I hate, I hate no, to I sound like a commercial, yet. so forgive me if I'm sounding yeah. like a commercial. I certainly don't mean to. But in that particular course, what you're going to find is that we spend 10 weeks with you in that. And I'll do a coaching call every week with you, and you've got lots of videos to watch. And we can explain things so much better there in 10 weeks than I can here in just a couple of minutes. So you might want to look at that. Just go to save my marriage. Uh, I'm sorry, go to <clears throat> marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com slash save my marriage and marriagehelper.com slash save my marriage. And you can find out all about it there. Okay. 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 All right. May God all right. be with you. Thank you. Thank okay. You. You're welcome. All right, now we're going to area code 704. Hello, 704. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. Um, Hello. This is Bridget. Hi, Bridget. Um, hey, Bridget, I finally got that book in. It just came today. Didn't I promise you, you a book? You have a really good memory. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, you well, have a good just, memory. It just came in today, and that's why I was thinking about you today, thinking, okay, I've got a list of people to send that book to, and Bridget's on it. So it's just kind of interesting that you call. How can I help you tonight, Bridget? Um, my husband and I are here listening. Um, we're, I guess, having difficulty communicating. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to explain to him what it is that I need from him, and he's not understanding, I guess, what I'm okay. trying to say. So and, what are you trying uh, to tell him, Bridget? What is it you need that you're trying to tell him? You know, like um, um, consistency. I mean, he was actively trying to, you know, like telling me he loved me and I was beautiful and whatnot, which outwardly there wasn't really a whole lot of progress going, but I could feel that there was a little bit of progression. Mm -hmm. And I guess he became discouraged because of all the negativity and mm -hmm. stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. and I was trying to explain to him how I need that consistency. Anyway, he doesn't know w what, I guess. Uh, how to do that? Okay. Yeah, there, I mean, how, yeah, how to <clears throat> rebuild the trust, I guess. Right. Okay, so he's he's listening too, right? Correct. Okay, I tell him I said hello. All right, let me talk about this a little bit. Bridget, um, I have seen you, and we have a, and for those who are listening who are not part of our, our Facebook group, they, I just need to explain the thing here too so they'll understand. We have a closed Facebook group called Save My Marriage. You have to apply to become part of it. And there's about, well, it's about 10 months old now, that group, and there's already 2,400 people in it. And Bridget happens to be one of the people in that group. I'm not revealing her last name or her identity. And so that's why I know a little bit about Bridget and some of her story because of the fact that I, I'm not in that group every day, but I try to go in there a few times a week and respond to people and read what they write as much as I possibly can based on my schedule. So now that's just for others, Bridget, so they'll understand how I know more about you. Okay. When, okay. when I've, 
read some of the things that you've written, you, you demonstrate a thing that there's a study of things called attachment styles. Now, listen very carefully because I'm not trying to make any diagnosis, okay? I'm not qualified to do that, so please don't hear me trying to make a diagnosis. Within, within the attachment styles, there's a particular quadrant that people fall into sometimes when what they very much need is affirmation that you love me, you want to be with me. But, but what they do is when the other person gives that affirmation, they push them away. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, so just listen to all of this. The people who are in that particular quadrant of that particular model, when they're pushing the other person away, basically what they're saying is, I'm having trouble believing you, and that's why I'm pushing you away, but I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to stop. As a matter of fact, it's going to appear counterintuitive, but what I'm really wanting is the more I push you away, the more I want you to pursue me to convince me that you really do love me. Does that feel like maybe what you're doing right now? Yes. Okay. I kind of got that idea from reading those things in, in the Facebook group. Now, so listen to me, husband. Understand that when she's pushing you away, part of this has to do with some things that have happened in your marriage. But part of this is what we uh, in the social sciences refer to as an attachment style. And this particular attachment style basically says, I need desperately to be affirmed that that love is real. And, and I realized, husband, I don't know his first name, so I'm just going to call him Hubby, okay? I realized, Hubby, that it's awfully frustrating, and, and it's the most uh, so frustrating that sometimes you think, what the heck am I doing? I mean, I'm never going to convince her. I'm never going to show her. So what I'm going to do is just turn and walk away because I can't do this anymore. Now, I don't think that you have gotten that far yet, but that's kind of the thing I hear Bridget saying I think he may be doing when she says you're lacking consistency. So please hear me. Yes, some of this is based on what happened between you guys, but a lot of what's happening here is that, that you're dealing with a, a, a woman who has such a great need for her affirmation to be loved that part of what she's going to do actually is not wise, and I think Bridget knows that, because she's pushing you away rather than listening. And the way to overcome that, believe it or not, is to go after her even more. And, and even though it is frustrating, and sometimes you think, I'm just going to give up, don't stop. Now, while hubby does that, Bridget, your job here, if, you'll, if you're willing to do it, is to, is to start doing your best to quit pushing him away, to say, this man really wants me. He really wants to be with me. He really does love me. I know he's done some crappy things in the past, but it's not what he's doing now. And so as he continues to pursue you, as you push him away, Bridget, your job will have to come to the point where, okay, I've got to stop pushing him away because I'm hurting him. Now, I know, I know you've been hurt also, Bridget, so I'm not saying you have it. I know you have, but it, this is the time to stop hurting anybody. It's the time to go ahead and find the healing and find the love you had before. So hubby, don't give up. Please don't give up. I, I think I've explained to you psychologically what's happening there. Bridget, if you possibly can try to stop pushing him away from you, try to start believing what he says to you. And if you can't believe it emotionally, at least believe it intellectually to begin with. And then, with enough time, that'll become part of your emotions. Okay. You think that might help I, a little? I, yeah, I've never actually, you you put it into really good words. I haven't ever actually looked at it that way. But, yeah, I mean, there there was at some point where I said something like, you know, I don't know, something like, you know, I'm I'm just wanting you to fight for us, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's kind of 
kind of yeah, hit the nail on the head there. Okay. Okay, well, you guys both work on that, and I'll send that book, I promise, to you. And and you call right. me again next week if you need more direction. Okay, Bridget? All right, thanks. Okay, thank you. You take care. I apologize that I keep disappearing for a second or two at a time, but <laughs> I have some kind of allergy going this time of year, and I'm coughing like crazy, and I'm trying not to cough into the microphone because that is so rude. So forgive me, sometimes I appear for uh, disappear for a second or two. Um, I'm just coughing and trying to get a little bit more water here. All right, just don't you love this time of year? For some people, it doesn't affect them. For me, it does. All right, here we are going to area code 573. Hello, 573, you're on the Joe Beam Show. Hello, are you there? Area code 573, are you there? Okay, apparently we have uh, lost that caller. So I'm going to go to the next one here. It's area code 218. Let's see here if I can get this one. Area code 218. Hello, you're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi. Um, Hi, how are you? My name. I'm, I've been better. <laughs> well, I'm um, sorry. Can you give me a first name to call you, please? Martha. Okay, Martha. Um, how can I'm I help actually, you tonight? I signed up for the Save My Marriage course, but I paid for it over the phone, and I haven't figured out how to get um, the information uh, or access it yet. Um, so I'll have to, if you guys could help me with that, it'd be great. Um, but... I guess I'm kind of, there's a lot been going on the last week. It's kind of a very crisis type point in everything. And I'm feeling like I really feel like I need to file papers to make financial consequences real. And um, I want to know if that's the right choice on some level. I think that my husband is pushing me and trying to make me mad enough to file papers because he doesn't want to feel responsible for it. And I don't know if I can file papers for legal separation and not divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that would be an option for he doesn't get a ticket to, you know, I mean, I'm sure he'll file back and just say he wants divorce instead of a separation if he does Mm -hmm. fight things. But at what point is it important to make those consequences real? Because I know that's a huge step and I'm taking that step. Sometimes I feel like, like the last caller said, he has fears about whether I really want to be with him and he wants to push back and he, you know, wants to be affirmed and know that I love him before he would be willing to work on things. But other times Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just giving him a free ticket to run around and do what he wants because I'm really nice and controlled. (laughs) Right, I understand. By any chance, did did you have uh, have you listened to the program we did a few weeks ago called the Definitive Guide to Boundaries? I did, and it's very hard because I he's he's very controlling, and you don't mm. tell him anything or you make uh, him mad. Wow. And there's no way I can inflict boundaries because he doesn't. I mean, even with the kids, as far as right like when I tried to inflict or in when I tried to enforce boundaries and I tried to make things clear, it ends up being a power struggle and he pulls the kids into the middle of it. And I'm so sorry. Dramatic. And I'm so sorry. Now, am I correct to assume like that you, to you already have an attorney? Writing. You already have an attorney? Um, I had a consultation with one and I had found out that she has sort of a um, bias against cops and he's a cop and I don't want to do that. 
Um, yeah, you don't want a bias so attorney, I, but you I have do want an attorney have, who will fight for you. You want an attorney who really is very strong, an attorney who will be a gladiator, an attorney who will mm-hmm. say, okay, you're my client, and I'm going to do what needs to happen for you. Um, sometimes women do better with a female attorney. I'm, I'm not trying to sound there sexist. There is a by female that. attorney I had recommended that I was going to. Okay, then I would suggest would you go see her. And then when it comes to the, the question of, okay, is it time yet to make those kind of decisions? That's where an attorney in your state and your county and your city, who knows all the laws and things that go on there, that's the kind of thing that, he, that she can guide you on. Now, if you're saying okay. does there come a time when you really should call the other person to accountability and say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of the courts to make sure that you are fulfilling your financial obligations and to make sure that you're not controlling me, the answer is yes, there definitely comes a time for doing that. Now, when you do that, understand this, that when you do that, probably, and you've already said that he tends to get mad and those kinds of things. So since you already know that, as soon as you get the attorney and the attorney makes any kind of filing, whether it's for legal separation, financial support, divorce, whatever the attorney decides to do, and that you, of course, go along with, expect the immediate reaction from your husband to be that he's going to get very, very angry. Now, if you allow that anger to deter you, then he really is controlling you. And that's what we've been talking about tonight. And it's not going to be a wise thing or a good thing for you to let him control you. So here's what we recommend. When, whenever you have to do something like this and your spouse becomes upset or angry about it, here's the way you respond. Now, you need to be calm and controlled and gentle. In other words, even if he raises his voice, even if he calls you names, even if he says terrible things, you stay as calm as you possibly can. And in your calmness, you reply something like this. Hey, I'd love for this marriage to work. I'm not doing this because of the fact that I want to end the marriage. I'm doing this because of the fact that I need to do the best thing for me and for our kids. And if you don't want to talk about the kids, that's fine. You can just say the best thing for me. And I have procured an attorney and she is my guide and I'm going to follow whatever my attorney tells me to do. And when you do that, if he gets angry and yells and screams, you just keep saying the same thing. I'm just doing what my attorney guides me to do. Now, if you would rather we not do this, that's fine. This is what I require. We will find the right kind of help and we'll both work together on putting the marriage back together. And if you wish to do that, that's fine. We can suspend any kind of legal things. But that requires not just that you say, don't do this. It requires that you purposely and consciously do what you need to do to put this marriage back together. And if you do that, that's fine. That's wonderful. We can do things differently with the attorney. But as long as you are going to do what you're doing now or continue to do what you're doing now, I'm going to follow my attorney's advice. Now, the idea behind this is as follows. What you're looking for is not how he's going to react in the short term but how he's going to react in the long term. So will he get angry in the short term? Almost assuredly he will. What about the long term? The long term is eventually he's going to see you as a woman that he cannot manipulate, cannot control, cannot push around. And that actually works to your advantage, even to the possibility of someday potentially putting your marriage back together. And so, yes, I think your principle is valid. Your attorney has to tell you when expect him to react badly but you've got to be strong and, and stay the course. Don't start it if you're not going to finish it. Is this making any sense to you at all? It does. I'm, I've just, I've been having a really hard time. I know you say be calm, be confident and be um, kind and, or gentle. And 
I've been having a really hard time doing that. And I get where I try to control by the, you know, criticism or the correction or the, you know, all of that. And I'm not in a very good place myself to be keeping things peaceable because I feel like I have no control over anything and I have no, and I feel like I need to protect the kids. So I'm having a hard time and I feel like it right now isn't working. Do you have any kind anybody. of support system around for you emotionally? I mean, people who, like, family, parents, sisters, people who can help you emotionally get through I all of this? I do, but he has been, every time I talk to anybody, he gets mad at me for talking to them because I'm, you know, talking to them. And especially because his family, um, we've always been closer to So I talk to his family, his parents a lot. And he says, I'm turning them against them and using them. And he gets really angry right. about that. And then. He says, your husband I want to work on living? things. Is he still living with you? Is he still living no. with you? Okay. No. And so he's gone someplace else. Uh, but you, as you talked just then, I mean, as you heard yourself say those words, did this sound to you like you're being controlled? I, I know I am. I, I, I mean, the fact that he's saying, I don't want you to talk to these people, don't talk to your family, don't do this. I mean, doesn't that sound like being controlled to you? It does. And then like he goes through my, I mean, he has our phone records and he looks at my phone records and my text messages and he said he wanted to talk yesterday. And then instead of talking, he interrogated me on everybody I text messaged and who I talked to and what I told them. And yeah. Okay. Then, and, 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 it's ugly. I, and then I was upset and I couldn't talk. It's your to opinion. Him. Okay. It's your decision. It is absolutely your decision, but it sure sounds to me like it's time for you to go see that female attorney and put a stop to that stuff. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've been feeling like that. I'm just, I'm fearful because I know, like you say, that you need to be sure about that decision because you may be getting divorced. And then also on some level, I really feel like he is trying to push me to do that so he doesn't have to feel responsible for it. Well, and that's very possible, but you never really can completely know another person's emotions, but the kind of control that you're describing, and again, it's your decision. I am certainly not going to tell you what to do, but based on what you've just described, it sounds to me like it'd be a great idea for you to go see that female attorney, tell her exactly what he's doing, tell her that it's time for you to take control of your life and that you would love for to work it out with him someday, but that in the meantime, you and your kids need to be taken care of in every way possible. And that control has got to stop. It, that's what I would do if I were in your shoes, but it's your decision. I was really feeling like that. And I think you just affirmed what I need to do. And I'm just, and I just need to get the guts to do it. You know? Oh, I, I know. I understand. I understand. It's a tough thing to do. My heart Is it breaks something like when I file, should I, on some level, I want to put in the papers. I don't want to put irreconcilable differences. I want to put infidelity and again, that's where you're a vindictive or mean, or I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think it's mean, but again, I think that's where the attorney has to guide you based on what's best for you and what will get you the best benefits. I know it doesn't sound mean to me. And I do understand you've been hurt. You've been violated in the sense that the trust has been violated. Well, may God be with it's you. It's not and that I, I want to hurt really, him. It's just I want him. To, I want to be truthful right. about what I don't. I understand. I do. I don't. Keep and that it, attitude. At some level of Keep that attitude. Respect. Because if you, if you actually start trying to hurt him, if you actually start trying to do that, it's going to make you, it's going to do something bad to you on the inside. And you certainly don't want to do that. 
Okay, may God be with you, and I hope that this works out for you. you. But please go see that attorney, okay? All right, have a good evening. Okay, and now we're going to area code 250. Hello, 250, you're on the Joe Bean Show. Hi, Uh, this is Adele calling. Hello? Hi, Adele. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. (laughs) Okay, great. How can I help you this evening? I had a question because um, I did this rating, and one thing I can say is if I'd have done this rating three months ago, I'd have done quite well on it. But since things have been going bad in my marriage and my husband, um, he he sort of has met another woman. There's not, uh, it's not, um, he's not having um, a physical relationship with her, but there's an emotional relationship there. And so I've noticed that like on some of them, I'm really noticing that I am starting to get more and more controlling. Like for example, I would have never ever checked his emails, but now that's something that I'm starting to maybe do the odd time. And I'm getting kind of worried because a lot of these numbers that were rated high, I know that I, that these aren't what, that this isn't me, right? I'm just, I'm just really struggling with this, you know, this, this uh, incident in my relationship right now. Mm-hmm. I understand. And, and, and uh, my, my heart is with you. I know that when people begin to worry like that, they do tend to become more controlling. I understand. But, but let me just point out some things to you based on our experience. Now, understand that when I say, let me share our experience, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen just that way with you. You, you understand that everybody is unique and individual, but the experience that we have is that uh, when you start doing things like surreptitiously uh, sneaking around and finding out, let me check your email, let me check your phone, let me check, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That if the other person finds out, even, even if you discover that he was doing something he shouldn't do, once he finds out that you're invading his privacy and doing things behind his back, the typical response we see is not, oh, my goodness, you caught me. I need to straighten up. Now, we have seen that happen, but it's very rare. Much more commonly, what happens is the person becomes like, how in the world could you do that to me? And now it's no longer about what I've done. It's about what you've done by violating my privacy. So it's going to backfire on you in all likelihood. I understand your fear, your need to understand, your desire for information. I get all that. But I'm just letting you know yeah. that if you continue to do those things, it's probably going to backfire on you. Okay. So the other thing I want to know is um, how much how much space do you give a person when they are sort of developing this emotional relationship with this female. Um, in this case, it's his, it's a new female subordinate of his. Oh, like how now, much space do you give? Okay. I think that's dependent upon the relationship you have with each other right now. So for example, are you able to talk about other things openly and honestly and transparently? Right now, not. When I brought up my concerns with the other woman, then he told me he wanted a separation. So oh. any discussion about her um, ends up in a, well, if you don't like it, then I want a separation because I'm not going to with her. Okay. Have, have you been to our website and read some of the articles on there, Money Chance? Yeah, I've just, I just joined you guys maybe about a week ago. Okay. So I've joined, I'm on your email list now and I get the odd thing and I check the odd thing out. Okay. Well, a couple of things I may suggest then, please. The one is this. 
uh, go to our website, Marriage Helper. That's Marriage Help E-R, MarriageHelper.com. There's tons of free articles and eBooks and podcasts all over that, that website that, you know, you can get it won't cost you a penny and, um, read about a thing called limerence, L I M E R A N C E limerence. And when you start, or it's E N C E, I can't even spell tonight. When you look at limerence, yes, as you'll actually, find on I that website, see limerence once. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Have you read any of those articles? I read one. Yes. Okay. I suggest you read more, but one that I, think might be good for you is uh well there's so many but but the one that might give some insight uh, very quickly to you be one called uh um i'm in love with somebody else now I realize that's not your situation that's his situation it's a it's a really long one that i wrote about a conversation i had with a guy who had decided he was quote in love end quote with another woman other than his wife and he and i had a very long conversation about it and basically i wrote an article about that conversation and it's pretty long but it's the one that'll give you a lot of insight into what he's thinking and feeling right now. Now, he's apparently early into the limerence. Is that right? How long has this relationship lasted? Um, two months. Okay, so he's still early into it. There might be a possibility to do something at this point since it's early. I say might, not necessarily. Is your husband by chance a religious man, for example? He is, and so he's thinking maybe we can end up with an annulment. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. He said, what now? Uh, he thought maybe then we could maybe get an annulment so that he could. Uh, so I, I assume from, your, so. from you're saying that, that you're Catholic. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Has, 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 how close are you to the priest in, in your parish? I've went and seen him once, and I'm looking at seeing him a second time. Okay. Well, I think it'd be a good idea to talk to your priest, okay? Because if, if, for example, your husband were to seek an annulment, you'd want your priest to know all kinds of things so that that is not going to happen. And if there, is there anybody in your husband's world who is close to him that would be saying, oh, my goodness, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing? Is there anybody close to him who would think that way or feel that way, that he shouldn't be doing what he's yeah. doing? Yeah, there's been about four of us, His parent, both his parents, myself, and friends have also have tried to talk to him and there's no stopping it from his side. Okay. All right. Well, here's a suggestion then, particularly if his parents are involved. If you go to our website, marriagehelper.com, look for the uh, article about intervention. It's called intervention. Okay. Now, actually it's an ebook. It's like 30 or 40 pages long. It's an ebook along with it. There are two 45 minute lectures. Okay. Now an intervention you cannot do. It has to be done right. by other people, but it could be done by like his parents and other people that are close to him. Now, an intervention basically does this. It says, and interventions, by the way, only work if the people who are doing it have a relationship. You follow? And the intervention yeah. actually, that document and those uh, articles actually teach them, here's what's going on. Here's how the other person is going to react. And when that other person says this, then this is what you do. So it gives them a step-by-step-by-step-by-step thing. Sometimes people look at it and go, that's too long. That's too complicated. We don't want to do that. Let me just suggest to you, Dale, that that actually it's thought through very carefully. It first developed out of the people with Alcoholics Anonymous. So it's really, really good. And there's a reason to do all the things in it. If people who are close to him, like his parents or others, were willing to do that, it's early enough that they may have some success at stopping this. Now, have you by any chance been to that page or seen that article or that book? 
Um, I saw it a little bit, but then when it said that it's something I couldn't do, I, I didn't read it. Right. Then. Yeah, but it can be done by people who are close to him and that love him, like his parents and other people like that. Now, that I also hear you say that he's involved with a subordinate. Yeah. Okay. So I'm assuming, I don't know where he works or anything, but I'm assuming that also might put his job in jeopardy, correct? Yeah. Okay. And whoever does the intervention, that can become part of that. Now, understand, we're not talking about manipulating and control. It's a different thing altogether. Intervention basically says, if you continue on the path you're on, these are the consequences that are going to come. Not because we're trying to hurt you. We don't want to hurt you at all. But these are the consequences that are going to become that are going to come because of your behavior. If you don't stop this, this is what's going to happen. And I think that's the next best step for you. First of all, you keep reading about the limerence. Secondly, you ask people who love him and care about him to go to that, that page, download that ebook, send it to them, send the audios to them, say, would you consider doing this with my husband? And the third thing is about, oh, I guess a month ago now, I did one of these programs on the definitive guide to boundaries. If you go to iTunes, go to iTunes and subscribe to Marriage Radio with Joe Beam, then you can look that one up. And I talked for about an hour and 15 minutes about okay, there may come a time where you have to set some boundaries and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. For example, is he still living at home? Yes. Okay. Do you have children? No. Okay, that's fine. But he's still living at home and still being involved with her. Therefore, boundaries, that particular program on boundaries, I think can give you some suggestions or ideas as to what to do next. So three suggestions. I'll repeat them. Number one, read up all the stuff on limerence that we've got on there. Number two, get the people that love him to check out the intervention material. And number three, uh, I suggest you go to iTunes, subscribe to Marriage Radio, and listen to the program on boundaries. Okay. You said it was marriage, which? iTunes, Um, marriage. Marriage Radio. If you go to iTunes, Marriage Radio with Joe Beam. Okay. It's like Jim Beam, only he's rich. Okay. Marriage Radio with Joe, (laughs) Marriage Radio with Joe Beam. And you can find it. The Definitive Guide to Boundaries is the one you're going to be looking for there. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Hey, if, if, uh, if you, if you want to talk again, you call back again next week. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Okay. May God be with you. All right. And now we're going to go to area code two. Zero two. This is area code 202. You're on the Joe Beam Show. Hi, Joe. This is Ruth. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay, I guess. Um, I, I don't even know what my question is. Um, I sent an email to my lawyer uh, the other day to tell her what I wanted to do to respond to my husband's proposed settlement agreement. Mm-hmm. And I went pretty much para- paragraph by paragraph and said, you know, yes, I agree with what he says here and no, or I want to include this, I want to include that. And two of the paragraphs were like legalese about, you know, the parties say that they're not signing under duress or un- undue influence. And I said, yes, I feel like I am under duress because he's controlling the whole situation mm-hmm. and I don't want any of this. And she wrote me back a very lengthy email giving me the legal definitions of duress and undue influence and fraud and everything else. And she said, right. if that is how you truly feel, 
then I cannot ethically let you sign it, and therefore I can't. I cannot represent you. Mm-hmm. And I was like thrown for a loop. So I called a friend of mine who happens to be divorced for quite a few years, and she mm-hmm. gave me some suggestions. She had said that uh, I need to get a different attorney who is familiar with military divorce. My husband's retired military. Mm-hmm. And for all the benefits that go along with that, and I had never even thought of that. So right. I feel like I'm back to square one. You um, may be. Potentially having to look for a new lawyer, but our court date is mm-hmm. set already. And I don't know if his lawyer would agree to an extension because my husband wants this over and done with. He's leaving in two weeks to move to Texas. He took a new job to be with the other right. woman. Well, actually, it won't be and, his attorney um, who decides whether or not there can be an extension. The person who decides that is the judge. And if your right. attorney basically says to the judge, the one you have now, hey, uh, I'm no longer representing her. She's got to find a new attorney. Then, And I, I'm not an attorney. I can't speak legally. But I'm thinking those are the kind of situations where that the judge may say, hey, you know, if you don't have a representative right now, we can't proceed with this. Now, it may irritate your husband, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, his your husband's oh, well. lawyer doesn't get to make the call here. The ju- the call can be made by the judge. And if you're not happy with your attorney, certainly you need to find a different attorney. That definitely makes sense. So I hope that you find the one that can help you there. Okay. I, I guess, you know, from what you're saying, I guess it sounds like maybe I should do that to protect some of my interests. I mean, some of the things he put in the property settlement are not that far-fetched, and I agree with what he says. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because of like our financial situation and stuff like that. But other things, I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. And uh, right, you know, well, if you I, don't agree, to, if you don't, agree don't agree. If you don't agree, don't oh. agree. I'm, I'm not an attorney. I certainly can't give you legal advice. And right. and if if that attorney doesn't want to do what you want to do, then obviously you got to find a different attorney. Now yeah. I don't. I can't speak to whether your attorney is doing a good thing, a bad thing, or an in-between thing. I have no idea. Legalese or legalities are totally out of my area. But I suggest that you find the attorney that you feel comfortable with that's truly representing you. Yeah. Okay? And, All right. Well, yeah, have a good evening uh, on that, and I hope that really works out for you. Now, I have to run get some water because of my allergies, and so I'm going to play this one thing. I'll be right back. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about control. Okay? What if you're controlling? It's not too late to change things. How do you do it? And if you're being controlled by your spouse, what do you do to stop that? I'll be talking about that in about one minute and 30 seconds. In the meantime, listen to this while I get some water from my allergies that are driving me crazy. Do you wish that you could save your marriage even though your spouse is completely done? You want your spouse back and you want your marriage saved, but you've been trying to get your spouse to work on the marriage and nothing works. You feel completely lost. You have no idea what to do, and you're beginning to think that you too should give up. What's the point? Doesn't it take two people to save a marriage? Actually, it doesn't. Marriage Helper has designed the Save My Marriage course, a course that will teach you all of the best things that you can do to re-engage your spouse in the marriage so that you can save your marriage. With 10 weeks of content, weekly group coaching calls, secret access to a secret Facebook group, complimentary access to the Marriage Recovery and Decision Point video series, and a 100% credit to the Marriage Helper 911 workshop. It is the best investment 
that you can make in saving your marriage when your spouse is completely done. This 10-week course was unbelievable. I think I've learned more about myself than I ever imagined I could. I know I've grown stronger, and I'm also more confident that regardless of what happens in the future, I'm going to be okay. I also have learned how to interact with my wife in ways that show her love, but at the same time shows respect for myself. For more information about the course, visit www.marriagehelper.com slash save my marriage. We hope to see you inside the course. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it amazes me that, that that the gentleman on that spot there uh, sounded like a professional announcer, announcer, and he may be for all I know for, for his living, but he actually is a guy who actually went through our course. Let me talk a little bit more about control, for example. I talked about it a little bit earlier. If you were not on at the very, pardon me, if you were not on at the very beginning of the program, you may have missed the 10 statements that I asked people to rate. If you missed that, you can listen to this particular program again uh, until we go on next week on www.marriageradio.com. And so if you go to Marriage Radio in the next week, you can actually listen to this program as many times as you wish. And at the outset, I gave 10 different statements to be rated on a seven-point scale and went through talking about how that this can help you realize whether you may be controlling whether you think you are or not. I'm going to read just a couple of things from some other people about control and talk about, okay, if you are controlling, what do you do? But first, let me mention a little bit more about what control is. Sometimes it's micromanagement. It's like the controlling person seems to want to have a hand in every aspect of a task. Like, let me tell you everything you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Often, they'll put limitations on relationships outside of the marriage. The controller will express unreasonable jealousy toward reasonable relationships. Like, I don't want you to all spending time with your friends. I don't want you spending time with your family. I don't want you to do this or do that. Another one is called hovering. And that's typically when they just are over you like a helicopter. It's like all the time, I want to know everything you do, everything you think, everything you say. Another is bullying or emotional abuse. And that's when they'll talk over you or shout at you until they shout you down or they'll verbally belittle you. And some people can control another person by doing those kinds of things. And then there's the exact opposite of that, believe it or not, that can be controlling. It's positioning oneself as the weaker partner. The controller in that kind of case, rather than bullying, threatens to fall apart when his or her demands are not met. And so actually by pretending to be totally weak, a person can control the other person. Okay, you'll do everything I want you to do because I appear to be so frail emotionally or physically or whatever else. And they'll actually control you with that. And then there's another where it's actually called gaslighting, believe it or not. It's from a movie from actually a movie that was based on a 1938 play in which a woman's husband uh, suddenly manipulates her to cause her to question whether or not she's crazy. And so sometimes people can control by that. They'll refuse to listen to any concerns or they'll pretend not to understand your concerns or they'll question memory, denying that events occurred. In other words, wow, I can't, no, no, that's not the way that happened. Or they'll change the subject to divert attention from the topic. Or they'll trivialize your concerns like, oh, no, that's no big deal. You're overreacting. Or they'll pretend to forget things that have happened. Or they'll try to discredit you by, by your saying that they did happen. They'll deny events that have taken place. They'll claim that you're making things up, those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of different kind of ways to control. 
Now, as I said earlier, quite often the person who is dominating or controlling is a person who will say, I'm not really doing that. And when we start looking at it and seeing that they really are, we say things like, but, but we can see it. It's here. It's evident. It's clear that this is what you're doing. And then when we point out something that he or she is doing that is controlling or dominating, the person will say something like this. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand my motivations. I'm just trying to help. And that doesn't make it better at all. Because your motivation is not what we're talking about here. It's the effect you're having on the other person. And that means no matter what your motivation may be, if you're destroying the other person by controlling him or her, it's a bad thing and you have to stop it. So can you change it? Well, first of all, you've got to realize it. You've got to realize that that's what you're doing. You've got to accept it. Okay, this behavior is controlling. I see this now. I understand that my behavior is controlling. And then you have to change you. Not the other person, because as long as you're still trying to change the other person, you are still controlling. Now, even from some of the calls tonight, and and it breaks my heart to hear the pain of the people that call. And we do have a face group, uh, Facebook group called Save My Marriage. It's a closed group. You've got to apply to get into it. We just check your background a little bit. That's all. I mean, just your Facebook background. That's all. We don't do any kind of FBI check or anything like that. We just go over and look at your Facebook page. So, for example, some people say, I want to be a member of your Save My Marriage group, and our admins will flip over to their page, and it's full of profanity and all those kinds of things. And, and no, we really don't want you in a group full of hurting people when you're shouting profanities and putting the F word on your site and et cetera, et cetera. So we just make sure that you're not going to be doing damage if you come in. And if you go there, you're going to see a lot of pain from a lot of people. We'd love to have you because there's a whole lot of help there because you can vent about your marriage. Not with that profanity we talked about a minute ago, but okay, like I'm, I'm in pain. I hurt. I don't know what to do. And there are about 2,400 people in that group. And it's only been going for 10 months. About 2,400 people in that group who will be saying things like, we understand we're with you. Our admins will be in there trying to give their help and such suggestions, et cetera. And in that, what people have to understand, and, and, and even though it breaks my heart to read what happens there and breaks my heart to hear what's been said on the radio tonight, you understand that anytime you try to change the other person, you really are going to be controlling. You say, but I'm just trying to help him or her be good. Uh-huh. Or, I, look, it makes no difference. You can't change anybody but you. And if you have been controlling in the past, and if your spouse has bailed out on you because your spouse says, I don't want to be with you anymore because you're just so controlling, then you are the one who needs to change. You need to stop. You need to look at yourself and say, okay, my motivation is not the important thing here. What's important is how is my behavior affecting my spouse or how's my effect, uh, behavior affecting my children or other people that you love and are close to. And if they are demonstrating by the way they react to me that I'm doing damage to them, then I have to stop doing that. Now, if you can have an honest and open conversation with them, then you actually ask questions. Tell me how I can do this better. Tell me how I can be a better person. And if indeed they're not afraid of you, if they're afraid of you, they're not. And so if you get into the conversation and get absolutely no answers back, that's probably a sign that you're controlling. So what do you do? Listen, 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 not only to what the words the other person says, but listen to the heart behind those words, the emotions that the other person feels validate, never validate bad behavior, but you can validate emotions. Like I understand how you feel. 
Okay, I get it. I understand you feel that. I even accept the fact that you feel that way. Even if I don't like the fact that another person feels something, I can accept the fact that that's what he or she truly feels. Because if that's what they feel, that's real for them, even if I don't like it. And so if my wife were to say, I'm leaving you because I'm in love with Charlie, I'm not going to validate her going off with Charlie because that's wrong. But I can validate, okay, I understand how you feel. You've got the strong emotional connection with Charlie. I understand. I mean, it hurts me, but I get it. I understand. And I accept the fact that you feel that way. You say, well, I know what would I do that? Because you're giving up control. They're not going to feel like you're trying to tell them what to do, that you're going to dominate. And if anything is going to help lead them back, that can. Now, I just played that spot when I ran and got some water because of my allergies. And that spot is about our online Save My Marriage course. It's 10 weeks well, you listen to all kinds of videos during those weeks, watch all kinds of videos in the week. You have workbooks that you work through, things that you do. And every week there is a conference call. I'm sorry, a coaching call. We do it on a webinar that most of the time I do. Sometimes one of our other staff will do, but most of the time I do. And we talk about what we're talking about on the 10 weeks thing that week. And we keep telling you, if anything works, this will. And so you go through all of those long videos. You go through all those things we talk about and keep hearing if Anything works, this will, and we'll show you how to do the things that have the greatest likelihood of bringing your spouse back to you. So if you've been controlling, you have to get it. You have to understand, you have to comprehend, and then you have to stop it. Now you say, well, will my spouse give me another chance? Hopefully with time, as he or she sees that you really have changed that will bring about the opportunity for the other chance. But you can't make them give you the other chance because that, again, is controlling. So the last part of that. So how do you handle it if you're being controlled by your spouse? Now, I've referred a couple of times on this program to another program we've done. You can go to iTunes, subscribe free to Marriage Radio with Joe Beam. And when you find that, find the one called the, the Definitive Guide to Boundaries. And in that program, I explain in great detail how to set boundaries and how to set criteria, which is a different kind of thing, and how that you can actually take control of your life in the sense of saying, I am not going to tolerate destructive behavior anymore. Now, one of our callers said just a few minutes ago, and I understood and my heart was with her. She said, I know what I need to do. I'm just trying to find the courage within me to do it. I get it particularly if you've been controlled, particularly if you've been beat down emotionally and verbally, there's a time when you just think, I, I don't know that I have this strength within me because actually it's kind of been taken out of you by being controlled. So somewhere on the line, get you a good support system, mama, daddy, somebody who understands, somebody who loves you, not somebody who's going to put vitriol over toward your spouse. You don't want somebody attacking you, the spouse. You don't want to poison the will with that, but somebody who can stand beside you, be with you, love you, and help you have the strength to stand up and do what you need to do to stop the other person dominating and controlling you. Now, if you do it, hopefully they'll get it and they'll change. If they don't, then sometimes, unfortunately, you have to make a strong stand that at the beginning may actually exacerbate their controlling behavior. Why? Because you're not responding to it the way you used to. And so what do they do? They increase it. They intensify it to get you to do what you used to do. But if you stand strong, show that background, stand up for yourself, then eventually it's going to start backing off and fading. Now, it's going to get worse to begin with in the short term. But hopefully what happens in the longer term is that they begin to back off, back off, back off. And hopefully they finally get to have a relationship that in the social sciences is referred to as an egalitarian marriage. 
What does that mean? It means you're equals. It means that both of you are treated like adults, that both of you are treated like, well, like you have value, that you both are being respected. Now, that's extremely important. All right. I'm going to read one other thing, and then I'm going to close this off for tonight. Okay. Uh, I've done other programs, by the way, on control. If you go to iTunes, you'll find other controlling programs there uh, under Marriage Radio again. Uh, a person actually contacted me and said, you know, I've heard you say that when people talk about their emotions, those emotions for them are true. And, and that is true. But the question became, can a person be controlling by using this information to his or her advantage? In other words, I feel like this or I feel like that. And they do that to manipulate the other person. The answer to that is yes, absolutely. They can. Some people are more uh, evident that they're controlling because they're demanding and, and strong and that kind of thing. But remember what we talked about just a few minutes ago where it says that well, I was talking about the fact that some people actually become very meek and mild and they control through that. There are all kinds of ways a person can manipulate and control you. Now, sometimes it's tougher to deal with that kind where they're not being strong and bossy because of the fact that, that they'll just deny they're controlling at all. No, I'm, I'm just being me, but they control you to the nth degree. And it's a little tougher to deal with that because it's harder to forget the pure concrete examples to put back and say, but this is why I feel controlled. So if you're feeling controlled, here's what you do. Number one, let me explain to you how I feel. That's what you said to your spouse. I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to say you do this, you do that, you do the other, because as soon as you do that, he or she's going to become defensive. So instead you say, let me tell you how I feel. You know, when, when I come home from the grocery store and tell you that a person treated me rudely there and, and then you trying to help me start telling me what to do, I feel then that I'm being a child that I'm not trusted to know how to handle this on my own and not having the wisdom to do the things I need to do. And so I'm asking you not to do that anymore because it, it, what it does is it evokes emotions within me that I don't enjoy feeling. I don't feel like a good, strong adult. So please don't do that. Now, hopefully, if you talk in the terms of I, this is what I feel, the other person may begin to, quote, get it, end quote, and then back off. You do that with every situation and example. Don't do it sometimes exactly when it happens because that's the wrong time. Sometimes it needs to be when you're relaxed, when you're calm, when nothing else is going on, when nobody's stressed out. And you just say, can I tell you something about what I feel? And talk totally in the concept of I feel this, I feel this, I feel this, rather than you do that, you do that, you do that. Now, if that works, great. If it doesn't, you move to step two, which is then, and when I say if that works, I don't mean trusting it just to one effort. I mean, you might want to do this four or five times to see if the other person eventually is going to get it. But if it becomes clear that he or she's not going to get it, that they're not listening, that's when you move to the next thing where you say something like, okay, I'm going to have to set some boundaries. This is destructive behavior. So when that happens, this is going to happen. Now, I don't have time to explain that tonight, but it definitely can be found on iTunes and marriage radio and I ask that you look at it there. Okay. Let me tell you what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to have a couple on our program where that they got into extremely bad situation because of the fact that he got involved with another woman. They now have put their marriage back together and they're doing wonderfully, wonderfully well. We're going to put both of them on the phone here and you can call in next week and not only hear their story, but you can ask questions to him about, Hey, how did you get past that? Or questions to her, like, how did you ever decide to trust him again? Any kind of questions you want to ask, and it's going to be a really interesting program next week. So I suggest if you want to actually talk to them, you've got to get in on it early. 
And then the week after that, we're going to have my wife, Alice, on. Because people often want to hear the story. Okay, Alice, what happened? Joe left you all those years ago. He went off and lived that terrible lifestyle for those three years. You were divorced. He asked you to take him back, and you did. And so they want to ask questions of me, like, what the heck did you do? They want to ask questions of her, like, what did you do in those three years while you were divorced? They want to ask questions of her, like, did you move on? Did you still love Joe? Did you not? And when Joe asked if he could come back, they want to ask me questions like, why did you get to that point? Or how did you get to that point? Why did you want to come back? And questions to Alice, like, why in the world would you let him? And then how could you ever trust him again? So next week, a couple that we're going to have on the program that you're really going to enjoy interact with them. The week after that, Alice on the program. And it's going to be really interesting for the rest of this month. I hope that you not only tune in, but you tell your friends about it because these are going to be fascinating. Until then, this is Joe Beam having uh, trouble with my allergies, <laughs> but thanking you for listening to the program and wishing you a good evening.